Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Anything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown. You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another day, and we are back for another day of training camp as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 188. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I'm going to chat with Ben Fennel and Chris McPherson. We've got padded practice here at the NovaCare Complex. We're going to go through it all from soup to nuts. Let's get things started here in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, guys, let's get things started here because uh, we were all excited to see the team in pads for the first time this summer. I know one thing that we talked about yesterday on the show was that we couldn't wait for one-on-ones. And so it was about three-quarters of the way through practice. The team splits up into three groups, one-on-ones in three different areas of the field. And the three of us were split up over the course there. So we had full coverage of these one-on-one drills. And C-Mac, I'll go to you first. Right. Uh, you were yes. over at O-Line, D-Line, one-on-ones. They were in the middle field, close, mm. to the, uh, close to the building, over by the cafeteria. So you're over there. Take us uh, through what some of your standouts were from there. I like there. how you set the scene. I guess said it a little else. bit. It's very descriptive Thank you. for everyone listening. Uh, first and foremost, I'm going to start with Jason Kelsey. Okay. okay? Arguably the best center in the game. Okay, he's getting love in the NFL top 100, all that deservedly so. He had a couple of reps during a period where he gets the feet, footwork, sound nice quickly, gets in front of his man and stonewalls. Hmm. Okay, you know, he's a little undersized, so to speak. So he's going against typically, especially with the D tackles, the bigger ones. Uh, I thought he did a great job of setting his base and not allowing anything to come through. And I thought you saw that in the team drills also consistently nice. throughout the course of the day. So Jason Kelsey is one. The standout rep I would give to Isaac Sayamalo going against Malik Jackson. Oh, really? Nice. Yes, because I've been excited about Malik Jackson, what he's going to bring to the pass rush from an interior standpoint. I was going to take some pressure off the edge rushers this season. And Sayamalo was like, nah, you're not getting past me whatsoever. So nothing whatsoever. Did a great job of getting his hands into his chest and making sure, you know what? Not getting by me on this drill whatsoever. I feel like Samuel has made strides every year. Like he, he he's has. just incrementally just gotten better each and every year. Uh, and then Josh Sweat. Okay, there is a lot of buzz about Josh Sweat. Dave Spadaro wrote a fabulous column about him, how Lane Johnson was exiting the locker room, where typically players in the locker room get interviewed at their locker stall. But literally, you walked into a locker room, and there's like a it's a crowded space where they have like the players' eye, uh, tablets on the wall, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to get them playbooks, and then you have a little space to get by to get into the main area of the locker stalls. And Sweat got surrounded there, and Lane Johnson walks by and goes. You're going to see big things from him this year. So I think he said a little more colorful yeah, a little language. Bit, yeah. <laughs> a little more colorful, but for keeping it PG for the audience out there. But he backed it up here on day yeah. one of pads. Uh, he had a rep against Andre Diller, but in the team periods as well, um, just showing that burst, you know, that athleticism, that size. We talked a little bit on the podcast yesterday, but Josh Sweat really doing a great job of carrying over what we've seen from the spring into the early part of the summer. And I think we all want to say, okay, it's day one of pads, but. Mm-hmm. 
it's something to get the juices flowing, to get excited about that. You look at someone who could take that role. And also, don't forget about the veteran, Vinnie Curry, yeah. uh, who had a great rep to start. Uh, also had some nice reps in the team periods as well today. So I think Vinnie Curry kind of becomes a little bit of a forgotten man, maybe, so to speak, because we're all excited about Derek Barnett, his progression. You've got Brandon Graham. And you know, you're kind of like looking who's going to be the next guy to step right. up, take that fourth role. But don't, don't forget about Vinnie Curry, who's been the first team defensive end, yes. opposite of Graham, because Barnett is not yet taking part in those team drills. Yeah, you know, I think watching Kelsey in the summer is really interesting because he's put in some situations he really doesn't excel in, some one-on-one pass protection where traditionally during the season he's slide protection, he's going to have some help from you know either his left guard or right guard or work in tandem. This is some of the tougher conditions for him, having to block one-on-one against interior D tackles with no help. So it's always an interesting case study just to watch him. As I like to say, in one-on-ones, you're as naked as you can be as a player. You have no help to the left or to the right. It's just you one-on-one with the D-tackle. So not something he's going to get put into too often during the season, but always interesting to watch in the summer. Yeah, and I think to, to your point, C-Mac, about Vinny Curry, you mentioned had a couple of nice moments during team periods. It was a period, I want to say it was the third or fourth uh, 11-on-11 session. Uh, there were, it was a lot of run and play action in the, in the period. Two straight plays. Vinny Curry made the play either at the line of scrimmage or behind it. The second one, he dove in, made the play, uh, you know, got his hands around the running back. Running back kept running. Um, and then the second one, he made the stop, nice good thud right at the line of scrimmage, and then started dancing, got the whole crowd along the sideline riled up. It was uh, it was good energy from Vinny, as, as you would expect. Yeah, so I, I would take those as my, you know, overall. There were some other good reps in there, but big takeaways, especially when you're trying to project uh, how it's going to help the team in 2019. Yep. These are the names that you want to hear great things about and certainly encouraging to see uh, the action out there on the field. All right, let's go over to the uh, the receivers and DBs. So they were the next field over, the near field close to the entrance. You had the wide receiver DBs one-on-one. They had, uh, it seemed like three different groups going, both outside and one in the slot. Ben, what, who were some of the, the takeaways from that? And, and a similar disclaimer, these guys have no help over the top, have yep. no inside defender to funnel it to. You're as exposed as you, are, as you could possibly be as a coverage defender. I thought two guys that really look, you know, pretty solid in the secondary were Sidney Jones and Russell Douglas. Nice. Each of them coming up with a pretty eye-popping uh, interception in PBU against some veteran receivers. Sidney against Mac Hollins, and then coming up with a nice PBU down the field against Deshaun. And then Rasul really coming up to the challenge against Alshon Jeffrey, a nice PBU early on. And I think he ended the session with an interception down the field against Alshon. So nice. I was pretty impressed with both those two. And as you kind of look at the collective group and stable of cornerbacks, it's a very deep group, even without you know a Jalen Mills out there or a LeBlanc uh, who got dinged up uh, a couple days ago. It's just a lot of interesting corners, all shapes and sizes. To watch Sydney and Avante Maddox and Rasul and uh, you know obviously Ronald Darby out there, and it's a lot of interesting bodies. Yeah, and I think uh, when you look at I was over on the other side, so the same field is where the receiver DB one-on-ones were. I was over with the, the tight ends and running backs taking on linebackers and safeties in, in pass rush drills, so it was a blitz protection drill. And number one, Dallas Goddard was awesome in pass protection. Um, stonewalling guys on the right side. They moved him over to the left. And it was interesting. He had two straight reps. One was against the uh, the rookie, um, uh, Joey Alfieri from Stanford, who beat him clean. It was actually a really nice pass rush move. Alfieri beat Goddard off the edge. Keep in mind, though, Alfieri was a pass rusher. He was a 3-4 outside backer uh, for the Cardinal in college. So getting back to a, l- a little bit more comfortable zone for him. And then uh, Zach Brown beat him on an inside move. So you saw some good and some bad. Uh, really good start from Dallas Goddard in that drill. And then Jordan Howard, I thought, had a couple of really nice reps, uh, especially the second and third rep. He stood up, uh, stonewalled a blitzing linebacker right in the middle. And then uh, one guy, I'll say, on the defensive side, Camus Grugier-Hill, explosive 
exploded through uh, Wendell Smallwood on one rep. So um, a few guys I thought really uh, stood out to me. You mentioned Razul Douglas earlier, uh, Ben. I thought it kind of goes back to my point earlier about uh, Sayamalu. Every year, Razul Douglas just continues to just get better. It's it's interesting. It's fun to watch the young guys that we get eyes on every summer, year after year. There's no there's lots of continuity. There's no change in scheme. You really just kind of compare apples to apples and see those guys get better and better each year. Yeah, no question. I think Rasul is an interesting case study, having played in a kind of an awkward scheme at West Virginia. A lot yep. of pressure. A lot a lot of off man islands. That is a tough position for corners in the Big Twelve, as we've seen some of the Big Twelve yeah. defenses over the past couple of years. Then having to play some corner, change scheme, even play some safety. Just all that experience, I think, mixed in, winning the Super Bowl, being asked to contribute a little bit earlier than he probably expected. You're just seeing a much more confident player in mm. whatever he's asked to do out there. I think just having the experience now into his, what is it, his third or his fourth year yeah, now? Third season. Third season. It's crazy that we're already at this point. And you just see the confidence and just playing faster out there. And yep. I think you know, kind of just the mental makeup and the confidence in your ability is really starting to show through. Going off Rasul, we've talked about Rasul, talked about Sydney, talked about Isaac Sayamalo. Yep. It's the third-year guys. Sure. Okay? And yeah. throwing Derek Barnett in the mix there as well. It's a huge year for this 2017 draft class. Yeah. Okay? Because you want those guys to start becoming maybe not so much the leaders in the locker room, but they need to take more prominent roles on the field. Okay? And, you know, Rasul has the starring experience. Sidney Jones, there was another rep that he had. I can't remember if it was a seven-on semen or a team period where he got beat on a run fake. Okay. Oh, this is a great play. Yep. Okay, gets B on the run fake. He's looking at the keys, and he, the key told him it was a run, but there was a run fake. So he's all of a sudden now he loses a step on his man who's going deep down the field. Well, Sidney Jones you know, flashes the recovery speed that he showed at Washington, is able to get stride for stride, get uh, in sync, as you like to put it there, Fran, and is able to take the ball away at the catch point. His diving interception was yeah, awesome. Yeah, it was tremendous play, and I actually spent a lot of time with Sydney after practice. I'm kind of like, are we finally seeing the Sydney Jones that was expected to be a top 10, top 15 pick? And he said, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think there's still much more room to grow. You know, he talked about his time at, at Washington where you know he made the progression from his first year, second year, third year. He's yeah. kind of looking at the same here where you know he almost had to start from scratch because of that Achilles injury, and now he's finally getting to the point where hopefully that the Eagles gamble in that second round, you know, taking him there coming off the Achilles injury, knowing that his first year was pretty much going to be a redshirt year, will finally pay off. You know, when you get to these players, whether you had redshirt years or changing schemes, I think as analysts and people that cover the game and teams, we're so quick to have opinions. And we want to have opinions on these players. And as we're getting into these third-year players, we forget players change. Yeah. Players get better. Players get worse. Players develop. These are young 20 to 25-year-old players where they're experiencing life, learn how to be professionals. I think as analysts, too, we have to understand these guys are going to evolve and change as well. So however we viewed them, maybe that rookie camp, they're different players now in year three, and it's really fun to watch that close up and that whole development process. Yeah, and we'll talk about a guy who's going into his second year now in Dallas Goddard. I think all of us agreed that uh, we saw the great flashes from Dallas last year. We're expecting a bigger role in the offense this year. Can I say one thing I said to you early in practice, Ben? It feels like every team period, and I don't think it's by design or anything, it just it feels like it's coincidence, but it feels like every team period, the starting offense goes out. And it's a pass to Dallas Goddard to start. I was going to say, you guys might have talked about this, but I'm, <laughs> it's funny because I'm taking my notes and I'm like, 
first of all, it's confusing at times because you're like, is it 88 God or is it 86 Earth? Right. Yes. You know, because sometimes you're wearing the same arm sleeve and everything. And I would even say, say the same thing to an extent with Mac Collins and J.D. Arthur, yes. white side being 16 and 19. But I noticed that too, the first play. I'm like, how is it Goddard who's on the first play? You would think that's Ertz. And I'm like, I must be misreading that jersey yep. number there, but obviously it's not the case. But those players are the bread and butter of the offense. Those tight end positions, the Ertz, and now the Dallas Goddard's into the equation. That's the quarterback's best friend. That's Wentz's security blanket. So it's nice seeing Goddard kind of moving into that Zach Ertz type of presence for him in the offense. So we had a, a lot of national media in the house today because we had uh, you know pads on for the first day. So Peter King from NBC Sports in the house. We had Ross Tucker, who was going to be the color commentator uh, for the Eagles preseason broadcast. He's in the house. And our friend Greg Cosell, who will be joining us once again this fall uh, on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast every Monday night, breaking down the Eagles game and then on the upcoming opponent. Uh, just throw that in there. But Greg made one really interesting point uh, when we were, it was late in practice. He, he and I were on the sideline watching and he said, you know what I noticed today? I said, what? And he said, between drill, whenever Carson's not on the field, he is constantly talking to his receivers, constant, like in constant discussion with those guys, um, just kind of talking things through. You can tell, you know, good, animated, uh, engaging discussions with all those guys. And I thought that was a really interesting point. So very, I'm going to bring up something else that might be a storyline with the media, and that's the fact that Carson and Deshaun haven't really hit on the deep ball yet in training camp. We right. saw flashes of it. I remember in three days of practice. Yeah. Yeah, ex- <laughs> still, I know, I know. That's what it's, still, that's, that's the the narrative. I'm yeah. gonna take you back to minicamp. One of the highlight plays was it was Carson going to deep over the top to Deshaun. I right. think it was Rasul Douglas. He beat on the play, and it just it was uh, the first play of the first team period early in practice, and it energized the whole team. Okay, right. it really got the juices flowing from a competitive standpoint. We have yet to see that so far in camp. And some of the questions, because I sat in on Deshaun Jackson's media scrum following practice, and it was kind of like, oh, you know, did you think it was going to take as long for the chemistry to develop? With uh, let, Let's pump the brakes. Yeah, no question. <laughs> okay. Like, the two have been very much in sync on the short intermediate routes. I think it's going to be interesting because everyone's saying, well, you got Deshaun, one of the greatest deep threats in NFL history. That's always going to be just a vertical threat. No. Fran, we've talked about this, about his his development as a route runner. Yep. He's going to be utilized in a creative way by Doug Peterson, by Mike Rowe. It's not just going to be, all right, take the top off the defense, let everyone else go underneath. No, there's going to be screens, going to be passes to the flat. There's going to be short passes where he can take advantage of that game-breaking athleticism. And when you're getting to just the distribution aspect of quarterback, there's only so many ways to throw a slant. Right. There's only so many ways to put the ball on a you know to a receiver on a dig. When you start getting to the vertical routes, it's a high-variance throw. There's a lot of different ways to drop the ball in. When you decide to pull the trigger, how flat do you throw it in? Do you drop it in from the heavens to where do you like to lead the receiver? How close to the red line, close to the sideline? That route is going to take some time in developing that chemistry with how Wentz likes to throw it, how Deshaun likes to have it come in. So there's a little bit more of a variance with that type of route comparatively to the, some of the quick games and intermediate throws like we've seen them connect on you know, throughout practices. I just think it's that over-the-top vertical throw. It's going to take some time. and mm. Every receiver likes it a little bit different. Deshaun's new. Wentz will figure out the chemistry. Uh, I want to throw a couple names out that really kind of stood out to me today that we haven't talked about yet. Okay. Uh, Greg Ward. Uh, I, what's he now? In his third year, I think? Third year, yes. Uh, former quarterback out of Houston. Made some plays today. Uh, ran a couple really nice routes, it seemed, uh, in team periods. He had a nice uh, deep ball for a touchdown from Nate Sudfeld yep. late in practice. Uh, made some nice plays today, it seemed. You know, we, we talked about this with Carlton Agadosi yesterday. Yep. Where two years ago, maybe to an extent last year, 
you're talking. Greg Ward has a day like this. You're like he's right in the conversation for a roster sure. spot, and it's just a credit to what Harry Roseman and the personnel department, the scouting department, what they've done in putting together this roster that's so deep that Greg Ward can flash and have a tremendous day like that. And you're like, well, where does he fit in on the roster? It's not to say that he can't break in five deep, six deep throughout the course of training camp and and the preseason, um, but he has shown flashes. He's had a couple days throughout the preseasons and training camps of the couple past years where you see see the speed. The, The key for him is... Can he do it on a consistent basis? You know, can he do it? You know, I, I think about DeAndre Carter last year, who became a fan favorite sure. with, with his remarkable story. How he made the NFL as a tribute to his brother, who passed away tragically. You know, DeAndre Carter made plays every single day to the point where when he first came on, you're like, he's here late in camp, he's not mm. going to have a chance. But God just made plays mm. every day that you can't ignore it. Mm. Can Greg Ward almost be, you know, that net? You know, just swarming in Howie Roseman's face. It's like you're not going to get rid of me. You do what you want, Howie, but you can't get rid of me. Can Can Greg Ward do that on a consistent basis? And maybe he can. And maybe being in the same system. This goes back. He's been in this offense. He's been in this system. Uh, he got some game experience uh, with the um, the defunct league. The, the AAF. Right. AAF. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he got some game experience there. So maybe that's kind of helped the transition for him. But you know, maybe he can at least, the very least, he's pushing the guys to say, all right. Don't feel settled, you know, Matt Collins and everyone else there, you know, that fits their spot. Shelton Gibson, I'm coming for those spots. And just like DeAndre Carter, you have to embrace the audition because yeah. it may not be for the Philadelphia Eagles, but this is an audition for the league too. And if you get put on that practice squad, like we saw DeAndre Carter get picked up by another team and having to play meaningful snaps, I'm not sure who Houston, was. Houston, Houston, Houston yeah. Texas, yeah. Yeah, yep. I th- actually think we played against yeah, them. We did, uh, yeah. Yep. But you have to kind of embrace that. As you're a professional now, you know what? It may not be here, but I'm going to take every rep seriously, whether it's special teams, slot receiver, outside, because this is an audition for myself as a professional. Hmm. So it may not be a home here in Philadelphia, but every chance out on the football fields a chance to show what I can do. So uh, Braxton Miller, another former quarterback, also caught a deep t- deep post for a touchdown. I want to say it was a half-field seven-on-seven drill. Uh, quick note from a, a listener, uh, Rich Bobby on Twitter. Just oh, okay. caught up on episode 186. Really enjoyed it. I love Ben's driving range comparison. Made me think of last year's camp when so many thought Cameron Johnson had a bad camp. We have no idea what guys are working on. I'll, I'll actually take it a step further. Okay. Go the year before. Patrick Robinson was the talk of camp. Mm. Like is that not, yeah. not for good oh, reasons? What, uh, no, yeah. not for good. He was, yeah. that was, oh, what are the Eagles going to do? Is he going to be? How they can they count on him as nickel corner? The guy had a turn anyway. You know, everybody graded him as the number one nickel corner in, the, in all of football mm. on the way to the winning the Super Bowl. And then he signed a big contract with the uh, New Orleans Saints. So you never know what's going. on. You know, on the specialists are funny that he equates that to golf because they're as routine <laughs> yes. in what they do. And the punter is just punting. The field goal kicker is just kicking the field goal. Go have a conversation with the field goal kicker about his setup, what he's thinking, oh. the details behind it. Your mind would be absolutely blown about the details that they're working through. And just like golfers, man, one slight change in your grip or your steps or your setup or your, or your follow-through, and everything's different for the day or the week. So those, I know those special teamers, especially the kickers, are as mental and detailed as golfers it's are. Like so it's like the angle of their foot before they understand. No question. Yeah, are you a one-step yeah. punter, a two-step yep. punter? How are you gathering the ball? What's your follow-through? You don't really know what you don't know. He'll go have a conversation with the kicker one day, and he'll really blow your mind with the <laughs> details of the position. I just love that we're three for three in getting uh, golf references. No question. Pod, so. yeah. We'll see if we can keep that going. <laughs> yeah. uh, any other thoughts before we uh, wrap this up? Before, you know, First padded practice. Uh, we've got another one on Monday. The players are off tomorrow. Um, 
you mentioned Kamu Grugier Hill briefly. He's yep. someone who we were talking about. Great interception today. The great interception yes. there against Carson Wentz. And I loved at the end of it, he kind of was returning it as they're going <laughs> to yeah. touch down. And Carson Wentz is going out there. Not to, letting him have it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> trying to get the ball, ball from him. But, you know, that's what you want to see. He's a guy who I've said here on the podcast that they want him to take the next step here on defense this season. He's got the athleticism, he's got the ranginess. You know, can he bring those plays? It's interesting because. I was watching the individual drills, and one of the things that the linebackers in the back corner, uh, over by basically at the corner, Broad yes, and Patterson, right, okay, yep. all the way back there, it's you know they throw the big medicine ball at them, they got to shed it, and then it's either they're picking up the ground ball or they're getting the interception to get their hands on the ball. We need big plays from the linebackers. Mm. That's that's the one thing that you want to see that I don't think we've really had enough of. You go back to last season. Yep. Um, they're trying. I know Jordan Hicks. You know he had his injury concerns, but when he was out there and healthy. Look, he led this team with five interceptions, I think it was in the 2016 season. So you're looking for some big plays, some game-changing plays from this linebacking core. Yeah, and I think uh, one other linebacker actually that stats me, Alex Singleton, the uh, the Canadian, uh, the <laughs> Canadian tough nut, continue to make. He's going to be plays. one of your crushes this camp. I, I feel think it. so. Yeah. yeah just, Who did he, he crush in uh, the the early team period? Was it uh, was it um, Boston Scott? Yes, I think you're right. I think it was Boston Scott. He's yeah. a young guy, but he's experienced. He's played a little bit more football than some of these rookies and undrafted guys, and I think he's going to surprise some people in that third and fourth kind of line. Three hundred seventy-one tackles in Canada right. the last couple of years. He's a, he's a guy that it's like everyone's you know. You're not you're not taking guys to the ground and tackling yep. periods. It's like, but he's the guy's like, I'm gonna do it anyway. Like, there were a couple of good ones today. <laughs> Singleton had a couple of them. Uh, Razul, I want to say, had a good one in the line of scrimmage. Sandejo had mm-hmm. one in the backfield. Uh, he had a, he was pretty active today too. I thought. Yeah, uh, one big takeaway for me and okay. one of the more entertaining people out on the field is offensive line coach Jeff Stoutland. No question. One of the more vocal, one of the more confident, one of just the louder people out there. You get near that offensive line group, you could hear almost everything he's saying pre-rep, post-rep, the coaching points. And today they were working a lot of, on a lot of play action, run action looks, sure. but it's actually a pass play. And just to hear his enthusiasm after a play saying, doesn't that look like the pass or excuse me, doesn't that look like the run play? Doesn't that look like the run play? Just very excited that right. his play action, run action looked exactly like it would be on the pass like play that. as well. Uh, there's some subtle differences in them. But you obviously you want to present the same look to the defense, oh, yeah. make them think it's run. So you want that look just to come out exactly and just as hear his enthusiasm. Typical offensive line coach. That's the things that really get him excited. Sure. And you can hear every every word from him pretty much out there. Uh, one final note from me. Uh, special teams drills uh, going on late in practice. They're working on uh, some punt coverage drills. Mm-hmm. Along the sideline, the near sideline where I was standing, uh, Jordan Howard working with uh, one of the equipment managers had to catch 60, 70 balls in, uh, you know, in that time. Really? It was just, and the guy was just rifling them in, and he caught everything, uh, which was uh, an interesting thing to see, considering the, the narrative around Jordan Howard uh, as he arrives here in Philly. I, I, we don't need him to be Darren Sproles, right. but we don't want it to be where if he's on the field, all right, we know what this play exactly. is going to be. That, that's all we need. Yep. Jordan Howard. No question. All right. Well, uh, great stuff, guys. Tomorrow we are off. So no podcast on Sunday, but we are back on Monday. The Eagles practice Monday morning here at the Novacare Complex. Until then, we will see you next time here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade.